In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 81, Chasing Pavements. I gotta tell you. Tell us about this, Erin. I just love Adele so much. (laughs) What's not to love? I just, she's just, I can put that on no matter what mood you're in, and it fits. I tell you what, after she hosted SNL earlier this year, a whole new appreciation for her, too. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, but she's... She's got some pipes. Oh and boy, she, she knows sure how does. To use them. Yeah. So, what is it about this song that well, you really like? Well, this liked? song I like because you can take it so many different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think essentially on the face of it, it's about a relationship that she's chasing that you could make a determination may or may not be the best. But I also think it's just about a lot of things that yeah. we chase in life. Chasing so much. Chasing so much. We just never stop chasing. Never stop chasing. Should I keep chasing pavements? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you want to try and uh, do a karaoke of Adele? You want to yeah, try I, it right now? But I think we should now? do it like s- spoken poetry. Oh, that's much better because yes. we're not going to get to no. her voice. No, no uh-uh. that's real bad. Even if I knew my place, should I leave it there? <laughs> should I give up? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Just keeps on going. In case you've ever wanted to hear Aaron do spoken word Adele, we're delivering it this week. I feel like that could be... We would be dynamic at that. Oh, man. So well, great. I'm just picturing us in like big wigs like Adele did yes. in that weird Africa sketch. Yes. That like, yeah. Yes. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was, but it was Maybe great. some bongos. Oh, yeah. Boop, boop. You know, <laughs> at the end of each line. <laughs> doot, doot. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thinking about the idea of yeah. chasing stuff. Yes. Have you ever given up on something you've given up chasing something mm-hmm. and then after the fact you felt like that was a good decision like I'm glad I stopped chasing that 
Yes. Oh, what was it? Uh, it was poetry class in college. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one to stop. Okay, yeah. and to be fair, partly my fault. I misread the class description. <laughs> I thought that it was an examination of poetry. I mean, I was an English major. It was something. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of experience in poetry. I was actually looking forward to it. Like, help me understand this form a little bit better. Oh, no, and it was writing poetry? It was writing poetry. Oh, no. I didn't have a grasp, but I thought, you can do this. Oh. Like, I just, I was like, no, you're not going to. You know, there was only like 12 people. Oh, no. And that's what sort of put me over the edge is that I realized the night before our first like reading, we were all going to read these poems out loud and critique them. And I was like, had enough self-awareness at that time to know that sitting at a round table and reading this wasn't going to go well and that I I wasn't confident enough to just pass off a blank page. Be like, that's my poem. (laughs) That's my comment. Oh, my God. It's blank. That would have been a good story. But I. But I don't have no. that. I would have been like, I'm just kidding. I don't know how to write poetry. Because you're just... still wearing your khakis. You don't know how to dress yes, in college, let yes. alone, yeah, pass no, that off. No, yeah. I just, there's too much going on yeah. in that brain to handle that. Oh, and I was like, goodness. I've got one option. And I've never felt such relief and freedom. So you did? You dropped the class? I did drop the class. That yeah. had to be such a wonderful feeling. It was phenomenal. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It was better than any hard drugs. It was. <laughs> the euphoria. <laughs> I was like, thank God, because I was wow. sweating bullets trying to come. Jesus, I was like, that'd I be terrifying. I don't even understand it enough to write. I mean, no. you know, I'm not, poetry is beautiful. And I think that people that can write that, that is such a unique way oh, of God, writing yeah. and viewing things. And when it's done beautifully, it is unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. And I understand there's a lot of pros that are like poetry, but that's just not where I was at. Mm-hmm. And I was actually really looking forward to a class about learning more about it. And the appreciation and, of yes, poetry. Yes. yes. I just didn't know that it was writing oh, it. Which, you just didn't read the full course description. No, I didn't. Oh. And I don't know what happened. I even went back to the book and I was like, did I read one above or below it? Like what? No. No, it was just, uh, it was just there. It was just, you just there. Fully I just missed it. Put okay. my own what I wanted it to be. <laughs> And signed up for it based on that. Oh, and doesn't that happen all the time? Where we just see what we want to see. Yeah, I did. And I got out of there and I never looked back. (laughs) It was the best Did you ever take like a poetry appreciation class, like literature class or anything? I did later on. Yeah, yeah. I did have a poetry class later on. And which reaffirmed my decision. It was a darn good thing I didn't go through with that because... I can't write poetry. Did you show up to that class and like really nervous? Like, did I get the right class? Yes, this time? I okay, was yeah, still yeah. very nervous. Yeah, and because it was the same professor. Oh God! So I was like, this could go. Oh, really so bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. But there was like twenty five people in this oh, okay. class, okay. and once we got started, I was like, okay, the books seem different that mm-hmm, I'm buying, mm-hmm. and you know, there were clues before the first class that I should have <laughs> known. I just didn't, you know. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. You made a mistake and then you fixed it. I did. Yeah. By dropping out. See you later. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I that wasn't a thing that I was accustomed oh, to. No. Like you couldn't do that in my high school. So. Oh, no, we couldn't. No. Yeah, you couldn't drop a class. Uh-uh. So I just didn't. That was like foreign to me. It was, that is the first class I dropped in college. And I didn't, I, I like didn't even know what to do. I went to my advisor. I was like, I need to. I don't. I can't, like, I couldn't even get the words out. And she's like, are you trying to drop a class? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, okay, just fill out this form. I mean, this is pre, you know, everything was like yes. electronic, but. Can I tell you, I still have nightmares about that, of like being in a class and realizing I need to get out and then it's past the deadline of dropping and then I'm either going to take an F or I'm like, and I don't think I even dropped a class. So I don't know, that is just a straight up anxiety dream <laughs> from no real world experience. 
well, I'll tell you that you're dead on. It yeah. is, it's anxiety ridden. <laughs> and I was, thank God. Because really the only reason I wasn't, it wasn't really a great thing at that point because it was so early on. It was just like, I don't. Yeah. It's like being a you're biology major and realizing that you signed up for British literature. Like, I don't, this isn't <laughs> fitting. Like, I can't do this. So I was glad. Oh, boy. But have you ever given up something and regretted it? Yeah. Okay. Um, in, the, in the mid-2000s. <laughs> okay all right all right i was writing a novel and it was terrible it was a Mm -hmm. real bad piece Mm -hmm. of work um but i knew i had always wanted to be a writer i wanted to write novels and so i was writing it and i followed through i tried to do the best i could and it just kept sucking and it just didn't go anywhere i was trying to like do the process of like Sending it out to agents and like all of that kind of stuff. Right. And I had no business doing that at that point (laughs) because this was terrible. And but what sucks is that after like three, four years of working on this, just on and off, you know, while I'm working Mm -hmm. full time. I started just thinking like, well, I just can't write. Like, I just can't. Like, this is oh, this is my, yeah. you know, I'm just not good at this. So I have to stop. Right. So I did. Um. And I, yeah, it's just. I think what I hadn't realized at the time is that you have to write a bunch of shit in order to get better. Right. And that was my, that was a lot of shit that I was writing. Yeah. And what sucks is, yeah, I almost just stopped entirely. And it was only, it was many years later that I started again. I realized like, oh no, A, I've lived more, so I have more to write about. And I realized how bad that was that I was writing in my mid-20s. And, you know, B hey, I can do it better, and here's how. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you didn't stay in the regret category and that you started again. Yeah. And I know that our listeners and the public are going to be happy in October that you didn't quit. I sure hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to sign every book. I sure hope you like this, Amy. Maybe I should just have that printed and, like, give that out, like a business card with each book. I sure hope. I sure hope it's better. (laughs) Yeah. Than the one I wrote 15 years ago. I sure hope this is okay. <laughs> oh, Erin, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of that decision was I thought like, oh, this is just my, I, I'm, this is my instinct. I'm, I'm, I'm shitty at this. I need to stop right, this. Right. How much weight do you give your instincts or intuition and have they served you well, not served you well? You know, I think that I used to ignore it more. Like when I was younger, I used to think, I I don't know if I didn't necessarily think it was a thing. I just maybe didn't trust that I had it or that it worked right. Or I could feel it, but you make excuses because you're too young to really know what it means. I think I give a lot more weight to my instincts or intuition now. And it's mostly related to like people. Like I've gotten to the point in adulthood where I'm old enough to say like that's weird and I don't want any part of it yeah like I can set up a a boundary or line and say you know what that I get in a bad feeling Mm -hmm. and it's happened a few times not necessarily with like clients in our construction business but clients that I um, do some bookkeeping for like a couple of them that wanted services and I've met with and I'm like Something about this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't feel right, then it's not going to work. And I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm okay with saying like, this isn't. Don't you think some of that, like maybe instinct and intuition is actually just experience. Like getting older, understanding like, oh no, this feeling I'm having about this person, it's probably true because Mm -hmm. I've seen enough of this to know. I think we we, uh, characterize it as red flags sometimes. And I don't even necessarily think it's red flags because you and I have had that conversation before. If you take a red flag 
it might not be a red flag on a certain person, mm-hmm. but it is on another person. Absolutely. Because if you get to know that person, you know their experiences. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So I don't even think that red flags is the right way. I just think, like you said, it's experience. It's knowing like, okay, the last time that someone approached it like this, mm-hmm. this is what happened and mm-hmm. that doesn't feel right. So, and I think as you get older, you feel more confident to say, you know what? I don't have to deal with that. Yeah. I don't have the time. Yeah. And I don't care. And I don't care if you don't like me. Yes. So, and that's something you have to learn, which yeah. sucks. Cause mm-hmm. for a long time you go through things thinking like, oh no, I'm just going to say yes to everything mm-hmm. or, oh no, I'm going to believe that I'm shitty at something. Yes. Or no, no, it's no. me or I'm not giving yep. this person a fair shake or whatever. Yes. And I, I think especially that's a woman thing too. Like, Absolutely. We're taught to kind of believe others feelings and what they're saying, maybe a little bit more than what we feel and think and maybe our own intuition as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine how different high school would be if we all went back and Jesus trusted our intuition? Christ. I mean, I would cut out a good three quarters of my relationships if I had trusted my own damn intuition. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I also think that we'd have a lot less of that mean girl syndrome because people yes. just get put in their place like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you acting I like I don't care weird? about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would just, yeah, it would change changing things but you know what can you do what can you do well have you ever felt like there's something that you spent your life chasing I think like this is directly related I feel like I've spent a good portion of my life seeking and chasing approval yeah Mm -hmm. right like I think from everyone I think when I'm younger it's approval from parents from friends from peers you know Mm -hmm. Um, as you get older you're still seeking that approval from parents no matter how old you get Mm -hmm. and from your friends from people at work from significant others and it just it's so draining to think about like how much time and energy you spend trying to get approval maybe from people that are worth it but from people that are not worth it yeah you know Mm mm-hmm And it's so frustrating. And I feel like as I've gotten older, and I think this is a theme of our questions so far, as I've gotten older, it's cut down way. Mm -hmm. Like, you realize, like, okay, I've got limited energy and time. I'm not going to worry about this. But there's still that voice inside your head, like, oh, God, I need everyone to like me. Yeah. And I need everyone to approve of me and understand me. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of it. No, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. Those are pavements I'm not chasing. (laughs) Those are pavements that I'm no longer tripping over and I'm running smoothly away. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking about uh, those kind of rash burn things that you get when contact with pavement, you know? (laughs) Oh, oh my God. Yes. Oh, I had a lot of those. I did too. Yeah. My knee was perpetually bleeding. Mm. I mean, it's it's uh, shocking to me that I was a runner for so long because I I don't know. Like so many times I fell, one time including breaking my jaw, and I was still like, nope, it's fine. It's fine. I can still do this. (laughs) Jesus. My instincts are telling me this is going to get better. (laughs) No, honey, they're not. They're not going to get better. Neither are your legs or your hips or your knees. None of that's going to get any better. No. So just stop it. Stop right now. That's what I'm saying to my younger self. I like it. Yeah. I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thinking about chasing. Mm -hmm. uh, My fiction pick this week. I had another pick set up and then this week took us for a turn. So I chose a different one. Okay. Um, It's called Ring Shout by P. Jolly Clark from 2020. This was came out late last year. And this is a sort of fantasy world, but also uh, a little bit historical that sure is familiar. And Maurice is a young black woman in 1921 in Georgia, and she is a bootlegger, Mm. but she also chases monsters. 
and the monsters she's fighting are the Ku Klux Klan. Oh! But, as terrifying and repugnant as the Klan is, as we know very well, um, in this book they're worse because some of the Klan is actually like otherworldly creatures that she calls Ku Kluxes. Okay. Okay. So it uses, this book uses some actual history um, focused on the movie The Birth of a Nation, which came out around 1915, and it caused this huge resurgence in the Klan, because mm. it paints them in this beautiful light, like this whole Confederate lost cause bullshit. Right, right. right. So in this history, in, in the book, uh, Ring Shout, D.W. Griffith, who is the filmmaker who made that movie, is actually a sorcerer. And with the movie, he's not only sort of encouraging and empowering regular people to be murderers, but he's bringing demons and devils into the world. And in 1921, they're re-releasing the movie and it's cover for another spell that will bring even more demons into the world and maybe end it. So Maurice, her family was killed by the clan and somehow she received a magic sword that she can call upon, and it's imbued with the spirits of slaves and their ancestors from Africa. Uh, She fights with the sword, but also she fights with two other women. So it's this trio of badass women. Um, Another one of the women is a sharpshooter, and another one pretended to be a man to get into World War I. So she's a veteran. Uh, Maurice also meets with these supernatural entities called the aunties, who can see what's coming, but they don't really have power, and she's like their warrior. Okay. Um, and there are human helpers, too. There's elders with some historic magic of their own. Now, I will say this is a super quick and gratifying read. This is under, like, 200 pages. It flies by, and this, this actually got a movie deal recently. Oh. This is going to make a hell of a yeah, movie. Yeah, wow. Like, if you, like, Lovecraft Country, like uh-huh. I recommended a few episodes ago, this is going to be... Just right insane. Up yeah. So good. I chose it for this theme because these are literal. You're chasing some literal bad guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And this week we saw the worst of humanity, uh, including white nationalists, uh, QAnon conspiracy theorists, and just your typical rabid Trump fan try to take down the government. So this book where some amazing women fight back mm-hmm. and maybe change history, it really called to me. And it's pretty great. You know, it just struck me when we were talking about instincts and intuition mm-hmm. and how, and we've talked about that a lot on this the podcast about how we kind of minimize women because, yeah. you know, sometimes their ideas are better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yep. yeah. Yep, that's for sure. That's what horrible scene this week. Yeah. But it also struck me. What was your plan? <laughs> yes. It seemed like they you had got no in. follow through. No, yeah, you got there and then you like took a podium and an envelope. And which, took tons of pictures along the way with your full faces. Yeah, which mainly just got you federal charges. Yep. And then. And now, by the way, you can't vote because this is going to be a felony. So right. You didn't right. And you through. didn't want that for anybody, no, right? Because felons want that. aren't supposed to vote. Exactly. There's some people that aren't supposed to vote. Exactly. So there's that. <laughs> now that's a problem. Yep. yep, yep but yep, I yep, was yep. thinking quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, that's a like, great point. You know. This, when you mentioned that, what was the plan? Yeah, what was that plan? Mm-hmm. Just to cause some ruckus. Just a ruckus. And then make uh, the women and other people clean it up after you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kind of like a toddler who throws a temper tantrum and everybody's like, do you feel better? Because uh, yeah. we got nowhere. Yeah, we sure did. We just and wasted And now there's some, some broken shit around yeah. us. Now you just lost All privileges. your toys are broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that horned hat you can't really wear in public. Because people are going to see you. 
So just the yeah, just the idea that they were taking selfies like they didn't recognize. By the way, you're all organizing on social media, but you don't realize this is going to get out. Right. Yeah. Your faces yeah. are going to be known to the world. Yeah. Or you thought that you were going to do this plan so well that it wouldn't matter. Like you would exactly. be cult heroes. And yes. so you would be part like you wanted people to know your right. face because it was going to go so well. And then you forgot that the FBI is no joke. <laughs> so that happened. That sounds like a good book and a great movie. Yeah. And like I said, it was a very gratifying idea this week in particular. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a very quick read. Um, I haven't read uh, much by him before, but after this, I want to read everything. Yeah. Uh, I think he writes a lot of novellas in this sort of vein. Oh, okay. um, Historical, some fantasy. But yeah, I think this movie is going to be killer. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Well, my fiction pick this week is also fairly new. came out in May of 2020. It's called These Women by Ivy Pakoda. Oh. I just want to read you the, the little line that they're oh, using as like the teaser for this book. Oh, okay. Serial killer story like you've never seen before. Oh, God. A literary thriller of female empowerment and social change. What? Right? I mean. Okay, could, that sounds good for this week, too. I know. How could you not read this book? Oh, my You're God. You're like, wait, what? It's mystery. It's thriller. It's murder. And we got some social Aww. change. Count me in. Yeah. So, and it delivers. Let me just tell you. Okay. Yep. So it takes place in West Adams, a rapidly changing part of South LA. And. Here they're referred to as these women. And we're talking about these women on the corner. These women Uh in the club. These women who got what they deserved. (gasps) Oh, I see where this might be going. So we've got, the book is divided into sections for each, a different woman. And the first one that we meet is Dorian. And she lost her daughter to violence in the street. From what we understand from Dorian, her daughter was not, quote unquote, one of these women. She Mm -hmm. was not um, working the streets at all. And she is struggling. It happened 15 years ago, but she's oh, still not over it. She is seeing her everywhere. And she has this insane need to save the other women on the street. And all she can really do right now is she runs this shack that serves like fried fish. And so she feeds them out of her back door whenever she can. If they oh, want to wow. stop, she'll give them food. But she's also uh, really tries to insert herself in their lives. And they're all very... don't want that Uh for a lot of reasons so from there we meet juliana who is this young beautiful dancer who dorian is obsessed with because her daughter was babysitting juliana and that was the last person that saw her alive oh my god now juliana's grown up and dorian's worried that she's entering into this same kind of lifestyle we meet essie who is a detective who is odd but very good at her job and has been discriminated against and made a victim by some things that happened in her life and by other women trying to get ahead. Ooh. Yeah. Then we have Anarchy, who's this tough old woman who disapproves of everything. She's kind of this watchful eye on the neighborhood, and you're not really sure what her role is, but you know that she sees everything. And then we meet uh, Mariella, who's the daughter of Anarchy and this artist who might be the one that solves kind of the mystery that's going on. Because we have all these women that are showing up dead. And it's all the same way. Their throats are slit and then they're suffocated with a bag over their head. And it happened for a period of time. And it seemed that Dorian's daughter was the last one. And then it stopped for 15 years. And now it started again. Mm. And it's very much targeted at these women. Mm -hmm. And so this book is such a look at how the police force looks at this, how they let things fall through the cracks because 
what are you going to do? How the public looks at it. Yeah, yeah. it's their line of work. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? You're yep. asking for it mm-hmm. kind of thing. And how the women kind of have to band together, but then also how they don't want people in their lives, so they're kind of willing to shove someone out if they won't toe the line, which is kind of where Dorian is. Like she wants to help, but they also don't trust her. Mm-hmm. So um, same with the detective. There's so many interesting angles in this book and the way that their stories all tie together. It's just like the sentence says, it's a great thriller. Like you want to know what's happening, but it's also this slow build of like frustration that you feel as the reader of all these women in completely different circumstances, but all in the same area, kind of being discounted because they're women and that's Mm -hmm. it. I mean, from the detective to Dorian to the women that are working in these clubs and streets, it's so maddening as you're reading it because you're thinking if someone was just paying attention, we would already know. We'd already have the solution. Oh my gosh. So- I love it. It was gritty, but also feminine because the whole cast, all the characters are female. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah. you're getting this. I mean, you're there's obviously male characters, but they're not the main characters mm-hmm. and they're not. We don't really know necessarily what they're thinking or feeling. We're staying very in the female side. Um, and I picked it for this theme because they're all chasing a different life. They all want something different than what they have, mm-hmm. but their circumstances aren't allowing that. So I think that it's... A terrific book just if you like thrillers just mm-hmm. if you like murder mysteries mm-hmm. but even more so if you like the idea of thinking about people that are marginalized in our society and how justice doesn't always work the same way oh that sounds amazing it's so good so good and you said it's pretty new too yeah may okay. 2020 oh okay. yeah mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. yeah and i haven't read anything um by this author before and i certainly will now i th- saw that there was a backlist but oh good yeah okay so good I've been in sort of, I think I mentioned this to you, I've been sort of in a, a book hole yeah. where like I'm just starting, and I know we both go through this, where I'm starting and stopping tons of books and like books that have been on lists that like are supposedly going to be really good and I'm just not in the headspace, I'm not in the place. So I've been reading a lot of thrillers lately. Yeah. And it is great. It is. Yes. Because you get like a little bit of closure at mm-hmm. the end. Yes. That does feel good, doesn't and it? And just yeah. in the way that they're written are very propulsive. And I think we're really seeing something new in that genre. I really Mm -hmm. think that we're getting a lot of authors that are writing that way, but breaking out of this idea that the, and I hate to ditch on her because I read her and she's phenomenal and no longer with us, but kind of breaking out of the Mary Hickens Clark, like, oh, this happens, there's a killer and we're done. Like they're writing Incredible writing. Yes. Like Amy Gentry. Yes. So freaking good. Yeah. 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 The thrillers have so much more to say than Mm -hmm. just the actual thriller they're giving us so much and there's so much good writing yeah and i think sometimes genre writing gets pushed to the side yes, like it's it gets not discounted it's not literary fiction probably because it's women really. well yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, you know that's the idea like oh we're not jonathan friends and exactly yeah. well no one likes you jonathan <laughs> okay maybe people do but i don't okay well I, we've gone on record with yeah. that i believe there was an episode where you went on a long rant against him i did and I, it was great because i don't like what he's up to <laughs> And that's my instinct. And I'm trusting it. <laughs> I trust it too. At this point, we know yes. who's gross and who's not. Yeah. yeah. Gross is the best word for it. <laughs> well, my other genre book mm-hmm. is a novella. Uh, this came out in 2019. It's called To Be Taught If Fortunate by Becky Chambers. Mm. Um, the main character is Ariadne, and she is an astronaut. And at the start of the book, she is writing home because she thinks the world needs to understand her experience. She's on a research vessel. Um, They 
they are traveling between planets and in that time they are asleep during that because it's taking so long and they're in this sort of like state you know you've probably seen this in sci-fi movies and stuff where it's almost like cryosleep or something where it's Mm -hmm. just there's not aging it's just helping them exist between the worlds and when they wake up each time it's been so long that earth has changed dramatically Mm. so one time she wakes up to find that her country of birth no longer exists oh Uh, Another time, she learns that a cult has developed around her and her research vessel and her crew, uh, but just as quickly fizzled. Oh, so. Okay. (laughs) So all of the, you know, there's four members of this crew and all of them are from Earth, obviously, but it doesn't seem to matter anymore because they're traveling from world to world to study and to learn. And along the way, they're actually transforming because... Uh, when she wakes to explore a world that has a lot more radiation than Earth, during that time that she's been sleeping, her body has undergone transformation to convert radiation to nutrition. Okay. When they wake up to a world with significantly more gravity, she wakes up to find that her bones can now support her more to to live in that gravity well. So instead of like terraforming a world, which you may have seen in other movies like this, they're they're forming themselves to match the world. Okay. Um, She's, like I said, she's a member of a team. Her job, she's creating. She's fixing some of the tools that help them do their research, help Mm -hmm. them do their science. Um, And at some point, she and her crewmates, uh, they lose contact with Earth. And they must decide whether they're going to return home or whether they're just going to keep on going. So I chose it for this theme because the, the team, the research team, they are chasing knowledge just in and of itself. They are trying to understand and enjoy uh, being out and discovering all these new worlds, these new galaxies, and they're working towards common goals together. And since they're sort of separated from this concept of time, it's even more powerful. Mm -hmm. There's this deeply sad element to the book, too, because they are separated from everything they've known. And as they keep going, the updates from Earth get more and more sort of dark and like kind of scary until they have to face this idea of like, well, do we go back and see what's happening? Because we haven't heard from them in a while. So, like I said, chasing the idea of knowledge and, and maybe putting that idea of gaining knowledge as more important than any specific individual, any specific country, any specific, you know, planet that they're from. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, like I said, is at the beginning writing home to tell about this experience of seeking knowledge and to try and maybe convince them like this was a good thing. This is what we need to do. Hmm. Very short read, like I said, novella. Um, But I think you'll find that the the writing is incredible. There's some really touching stuff here. And it's interesting that we kind of talked about genre. I think sci-fi sometimes is one of those that can be maligned for like, well, it's just so focused on like plot or like, you know, yeah. science or whatever. And no, this is this is literary fiction in a sci-fi world and it's wonderful. Mm. And I think that that's another thing we were talking about uh, book holes a little bit ago yes. and sometimes crawling out of them. And I think that novellas are another great way to do that. Absolutely. Because it requires just a little bit shorter of an attention span. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get into it. It kind of gets you back into that vibe. So if you haven't had the chance to explore some novellas, that's a great avenue it's true because some of these books that i'm stopping and starting i get like 30 40 pages in and i realize oh there's like 400 pages in this i don't think i can do it yeah so this it's less commitment yes and you're getting the whole wonderful story right there you go and you know 
that is a writing talent in and of itself it to be really able to tell is. a complete story yeah. and take a reader on that journey in a very short amount of time. Talent. Mm-hmm. Talent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, my other genre pick this week is called Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family Oh boy, by Robert Coker. And I recommended his other book, uh, Lost Girls, before. And by the way, did you see that he is one of the visiting yeah, writers? Yeah, that's what I was just yes. going to say. Okay. He's yeah. coming in the Avid series. Mm-hmm. If you're in the in Iowa or in the Des Moines area, he's coming. They're doing it virtual this year mm-hmm. still, and he's going to speak. And you can bet that I want to hear it because, <laughs> wow. So this came out in April 2020. And I, this book... I don't even know if I can fully put into words. I've been talking about it all week to my family. I think they're tired of hearing about it. Um, If they're tired of hearing about it, I don't trust them. Yeah. And this is a good example. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. You should trust that instinct. Do not (laughs) trust my family. Uh, I, this is a great example of starting and stopping books. I started this a while ago because I have a ton of respect for him as an author and I just don't think I was in the right yeah. headspace. And I, I knew I wanted to read it though. Mm-hmm. I didn't give up on it and I started again and for whatever oh, this good. time, it was just, I couldn't get enough. Yeah. So this tells the story of the Galvin family starting with Donald and Mimi. They're the head of it. Um, they got married and after living through World War II, they've settled in Colorado and they're devout Catholics strong believers in the idea of hard work not complaining and presenting a very polished image Hmm. so their oldest child was born in 1945 and their youngest child was born in 1965 they had 12 children oh my god right Ah. 10 boys two girls the two girls are the last two children so they had 10 boys then two girls that is too many children and a lot of trauma to the body so much that's basically why she stopped like a doctor was like i will not treat you anymore they were trying to have her stop way before she stopped oh my god yeah so as the years progress six of the ten boys that's half of the children are diagnosed schizophrenic (gasps) right so this story is one part story of this family and one part history of schizophrenic research and mental illness treatment in the United States. And basically the author weaves both sides of these stories wow. together. And they also, the stories intercollide at some point because obviously the Galvin family, this is unusual. And they make the perfect test subjects for yeah. nature versus nurture. Wow. Because you, and and a really good place to start looking for a genetic marker. Mm-hmm. So they, they are wanted later on in life by researchers for sure. But the story itself, like the family story and what happens in the family unit is shocking and troubling and heartbreaking and but propulsive. I mean, mm-hmm. you want to know what happens to the family. You almost can't believe that this actually happened. But I really think that the magic of the book lies in the author's ability to explain how far treatments come and not come. Oh, I could not believe that in 2020... We live in a world where some of this stuff isn't figured out yet. I didn't realize that. I didn't. I think we all know that there's a big gap in funding and research and help in the mental health arena. For sure. I think we we know that in Iowa for sure. Yeah. We know that in other states. It's an area that needs a lot more attention and a lot more focus for a lot of reasons. But I had no idea that there was such a lag in even scientific research and understanding diagnosis i mean some of these obviously some of these children are still alive and they still don't have answers 
necessarily to how six of them had that. They're understanding that now probably some of them were misdiagnosed. They were definitely had mental illnesses, but more like maybe bipolar or something else. But they all kind of fell into this. There is so much here. It starts with, as of course we know, with uh, research at the beginning about mothers, that there was this idea when schizophrenic first came out that the mother had a direct relation to basically making her child schizophrenic Mm -hmm. by how she was. And when you're listening to the family, you kind of get caught up and like, maybe she did. I mean, there is just so much crazy and so much interesting things to dissect here. There's an element of religion, I think, of what that plays in that kind of shut up and keep quiet. Oh, and sure. This is the image we need to put out and there. And that time period, too. Yes. We yeah. don't talk about problems. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about sexual abuse. We don't talk about things oh, like that. Oh, no. Yeah. And I also think that there's a lot of um, interesting things to say about the pressure on females to mm-hmm. present a perfect family unit. Yep. You know, Mimi's whole life was basically, I have these 12 children and this is what they went on to do. And that's still relevant today. Very Jesus. relevant. Yeah. And how do you marry those two things when you have this sickness in your family? And how do you, you know, it, it talks a lot about how some of the children felt at different points and some of the children that were quote unquote well, how they felt like they were pushed aside for the sake of the sick ones. Like we have to save these kids. Wow. Uh, it has, it's really long. I'm not going to, you know, it's a long book, but it is so engrossing. Mm-hmm. And it's a perfect way to take it in because I think if you just listen to this story about this family straight through, you would feel like, oh gosh, this is too much. Like, mm-hmm. This is crazy. But having this interesting history lesson at the same time, yeah. it gives you a break from the really emotional stuff and helps you understand the point and purpose of telling stories like this it isn't just voyeurism or entertainment or you know this family's crazy look at this it's really where are we all are we all just a step away from that I mean what are we doing to help change the stigma of mental illness Mm -hmm. what are we doing to help treatment what are we doing to help researchers and scientists how are we advancing any of these things yeah where's the focus it it is wonderfully written of course wow. i think he's a terrific writer but so good um i picked it for this theme this week because they're chasing answers they're yeah. chasing the treatment they're chasing a normal family you know especially the two youngest daughters are chasing help because they're kind of left holding the bag at the end when both parents are gone um you know they went to therapists at different times in their lives that didn't believe their story because it seems so oh far-fetched yeah like how do you have six brothers that are you know, I think that they were chasing acceptance yeah. for most of their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful and heartbreaking and I think important. And especially in this day and age where we should be talking more about mental illness and how to put more funding, how to put more emphasis on it. This is a a really, really good example and just a fantastic, interesting, crazy story. Yeah, it sounds like it. it and is- you're so right. Like we've talked about how... In, in our society, there's not much of a safety net for really anyone that is struggling in any way. But mental health, it feels like it's not even a safety net. Like there's a big hole in the middle and it's just like, yep, just fall on through. Like there's just yes, nothing. Yes. Yeah. Like and if you can afford therapy, great. But so many people can't. Mm-hmm. And partially the stigma, partially because yes. of the time period and because they were Catholic, you know, the mom kept some secrets that maybe if other people in the family had known, they would have cracked some codes oh, earlier. Wow. But you know, that was, that was the time. That's the way it was. It wasn't, that wasn't something you talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, it is, yeah, 
so good. I was, uh, it's so good that you're almost disappointed when it ends because you're like, oh, okay. Whew. Like, wow. It's over. But also, <laughs> are they, what's going on now? Yeah. Like, has yeah. it advanced? I mean, you said has some it, of yeah. them are still alive. I mean, yeah. 65. Yeah. And so. there's this really interesting side story about one of the researchers who's a female who came up when there weren't a lot of female researchers. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the, the stuff she had to overcome just to have her research taken seriously, how she basically couldn't get promoted because shouldn't you be, be at home with your kids? And yeah, she it was, probably had great ideas that they ignored. She did. A lot of them are very groundbreaking in what is now kind of at the leading front of research of what wow. they're trying to figure out. She was just ahead of her time. So, so good. Wow. So I would highly recommend. And you're going to be there. At the Avid. I'm going to be on that Zoom. <laughs> I tried to already register, but you can't. Apparently oh, they okay. let it out like a, a, a month before. So I have it in my calendar because I, I don't know what he's going to talk about, but I'll listen. I did see that come out this week and I almost sent it to you. And then I was like, oh, Aaron's on this. Jesus, what am I doing? Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah, I got it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was so, well, and then I was like, it's virtual, right? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, yeah. his is like in February. Mm-hmm. So we're not, you know, obviously in the clear. Yeah, they've got some good names this year. Yeah. Terry. Jones. Tayari Jones. That's another uh-huh. one I'm excited for. Mm-hmm. They've got some real good stuff coming. Yeah. It's good for them. Good for them. Good it's for you, Des Moines Public Library and Avid. Doing it. We've talked about you before and we still like you. We love you. <laughs> I don't know if we can ever say we love you again with like out thinking of Trump tweeting. I, I don't I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's where my head went. Oh. I was like, oh, God, no, we can't oh. say that. Those words have changed again now. Yeah. Oh, no. We love you in the nice pure form. In the actual way and not like, uh, you know, letting sedition go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yes, great. yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glad we got that cleared up. Yeah. <laughs> when we say it, this is what we mean, to be clear. Yeah. Well, pop culture yeah. this week. I got a podcast for you. Ooh. It's called Maintenance Phase. Nice. Started late last year. And you remember a few weeks ago when I talked about Aubrey Gordon, who is known as your fat friend mm-hmm. on social media? Um, this is her, along with Michael Hobbs, who is on You're Wrong About. He also made a guest appearance on the Even the Rich podcast. Yes. Talking about Princess Diana. And these two, every other week, they take on a fad diet or a health and wellness trend. And they dissect it, they discuss it, they debunk it. Interesting. But not just that. Each episode, one of them has come to, like, tell the story and us. So they're telling, like, maybe it's Michael's turn this week. So he's coming, he's going to talk about this, and he's going to tell Aubrey about it, and he's going to tell us at the same time. And you can tell they haven't talked about it beforehand, so they're surprising each other. And the reactions and the discussion are super organic, they're super fun. And it reminds me of what we try to do, you know, yeah. trying to surprise each other with our picks, but also our questions and our discussion. And it feels a lot like that. Like you're just sitting in the room with them, listening to them, just kind of talk about this weird, weird thing yeah. that they brought. Um, so here's some recent episodes. The presidential fitness test. <laughs> <laughs> where they first remember what that was like as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I think all of us have a real gut reaction terrible and they reveal like the super shady origins behind it Mm. as well as how it's just a tool to embarrass the hell out of kids sure is yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um another episode is about snack wells cookies which was a whole thing remember those oh i think they're still out yeah but like yeah yeah it was a huge like diet thing and they dissect the logic of these fat-free cookies and what they do to the body, actually. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they did another episode on moon juice, which I think I had, rec- I had talked yes, to you about. okay. Where it's this woman that's a creator of, like, $14 smoothies and sex dust. 
Yeah. Um, and then they just did, uh, just released uh, last week, an episode on Halo Top ice cream. <gasps> this like super recent trend of like yeah. very low calorie ice cream. But they're also talking about how people are just stupid and they've turned it bad into diets where you just eat Halo Top ice cream. What? Yeah. Like they talk about this one guy that wrote a GQ article about it. He did it for 10 days, developed this insane canker sore. <laughs> And like it had like all these terrible physical problems and both Aubrey and Michael are like what why you didn't have to do that you could just talk about how it's a good you know it's a decent dessert like that's all it is what are you doing so I chose it for this theme because we're always chasing the idea of what our body should be Mm -hmm. it explains all of these strange strange trends fad diets stupid Desserts, snacks, all this kind of stuff. Good Lord. We've talked about this tons, obviously. We've recommended several books, including Aubrey Gordon's book. Yes. Uh, But I think this podcast is such a super unique take because they're looking at very specific things, digging deep and providing research into it um, to show how ridiculous they are and show kind of how ridiculous the whole idea of weight loss and all the stupid things we do to do to get there mm-hmm. how stupid it is it's super entertaining they have great chemistry they're so they're both very smart very funny um i laugh a lot when i'm listening to it and i also cringe a lot <laughs> because because obvious reasons because halo top ice cream is not wow. a diet my friend no it's it not. is not Mm-mm. also during that episode uh, Aubrey was talking about it. Michael had never had it, so they brought some. And Michael had been sort of uh, uh, like talking about how dumb this was and everything. And he tried it, and he's like, "God damn it, this is good." <laughs> Dang it, I hate that. And he's like, "But it's not a not an actual diet. This is not what you only eat." Yeah, Jesus, come on. Well, I this is going to be no surprise to anyone oh. because I'm. This is where I'm at. Okay. Bringing you a show from HBO Max. <laughs> oh, boy. You are on trend. <laughs> you are staying on the theme. They should. You love yourself some HBO Max. We should have a sponsorship with them. Once you figured out how to get it, it oh. was all over. <laughs> Once I figured out what it was, I couldn't stop. <laughs> so confusing and yep. then so great. Yeah. So this show is called Search Party. Oh. <gasps> I love Search Party. Oh, you've seen? Okay. I just finished all three seasons. We did too. Oh my God. This Season is a four, perfect. Jenny, I know. Time. Yes. Okay. So I'm so glad you brought This is such a weird show. It's so weird. <laughs> okay. We started watching it because it's ostensibly about this lady that disappears. Yeah. So that's what you think you're getting into. Yes. It is not that at all. No. No. So Dory and Drew are in a relationship in the early 20s in New York, and they're kind of just getting by. Like yeah. Dory works for this wealthy lady as an assistant, like doesn't do anything important and really <laughs> doesn't even need an assistant. Um, and Drew is working at an unpaid internship, hoping that it's going to like propel his business career. And they spend a lot of time with their two best friends, Elliot and Portia. Elliot is my absolute favorite. You're t- I oh, can't. God. His facial expressions. <laughs> just the things that he says. He's a self-proclaimed narcissist. Yes. And he's making a career out of being that. He like sure that's is. what he's doing. Yep. And he is one of the best characters ever. So good. He is fantastic. And Portia's like the struggling actress that's incredibly naive, but oh, also yeah. very earnest she and sweet well. and bubbly. Yes. Yeah. So their college friend, and I'm gonna put friend in quotes because yep. it's really like an acquaintance that they kind of barely know. Chantel goes weather Winterbottom, Weatherbottom. Weatherbottom, Winterbottom. It's a ridiculous name. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. So she's a poet, supposedly. (laughs) Gotta put that in quotations, too. Yeah. And she goes missing. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And so, of course, all the usual things are happened. A vigil at her parents' house. They've got posters. They Everything, like, oh, my gosh, where is this woman? And Dory becomes obsessed. Mm-hmm. Kind of for a lot of reasons, but it kind of seems basically because she doesn't have a purpose. And somehow in her mind, this has gotten tied together. Like, I got to find this person. And it sort of starts as a morbid curiosity. But then she does stumble upon a few weird coincidences that lead her to believe that she's actually out there and alive. Which most people are assuming, like in a lot of these cases, that she's probably been murdered or is no longer alive. So... That's where this story goes off the rails. And I really can't tell you anything else. Yeah, I was just trying to think in my head, like, what else could you say? And No. Trust me. From what we've said, you have no idea. No, it is an insane no ride. No idea what's going to happen. And you can't stop. So you can get through three seasons because season four comes out on January 14th. Yeah. And where it ends, I can't wait to find oh out. Oh, my God. But it is. And they're very quick. Like, you can binge so this pretty quick. quickly. Yes. Yeah. And like we mentioned, there's some humor, definitely. Oh my God. But... I think it's just a really interesting character deep dive. Yeah. It's like watching characters change and evolve during, like, due to circumstance. That's so interesting and entertaining. And this one delivers, like, on every level. Like, there's a person that's changing that you can relate to no matter what Mm -hmm. you're going through. Because just the changes alone in Dory, like, as you watch this. And her as an actress. Holy shit. So good. So good. I... Uh, Aaliyah Shawkat, I think is yes. how you pronounce her last name. Yeah, and I know we've seen her in a ton of things, but I've never seen her this committed, this insane. It's so good. Yeah. And Elliot, that oh, is God. terrific. So obviously I picked for this scene because they're chasing Chantal. Yeah. They are chasing themselves. Mm-hmm. They're chasing purpose. And they're chasing relationships. And we're just chasing after them to see what happens. Because <laughs> it is Terrific. And every once in a while, there's a really cool, like, guest star that's like, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's some great, great stuff in there. Mm -hmm. It is. We couldn't stop. I'm so glad you talked about this because I've been watching it, like, just a few episodes at a time. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to describe it to Garth. And I was like, I don't know how to describe this. This is weird. It is. And if you haven't seen it, you can't really talk about how weird it goes in the different directions. Because you kind of ruin it. That's why I was struggling a little bit with my notes. Because I was like, I don't want to give anything away. Like you, When I say that you don't know where this is going, you do not know where this is going. It is terrific. So I say, yeah, I say just watch the first season. It will be very quick. And then you are definitely hooked. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Mm -hmm. And you'll love Elliot. And you'll hate other people, and you'll love and hate all of them. I think. Yes, like, that's very true. Yes, like yeah. there's so many times, I'm like Jesus, what is wrong what with you all doing? of you? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's great stuff in there. Elliot's clothing is something. The the, the hats, the hats. I put those in quotes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. usually just like a skull cap, and then like a almost like a a, a lawn chair type thing over the top. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. Yes, but I like it. This is so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there as a teaser. There's a, a party where he shits his pants. Yes, there is. And I could not stop laughing. Yeah. With him so I was just... like, oh, that, yep, yep, that's about it. And yeah. it was the way he did it was just so, it's, it's happening, it's happening, this is happening, this is ha- happening. And he has to change his pants and later someone comments on it and he's like, I was always going to do a costume change. Yes. <laughs> What are you? And it, it's totally believable. Uh, Chloe Feynman is in it. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. It took mm-hmm. me a minute to place her. Yeah, I was like, how do I know her? And then, which 
terrific. We all know she's amazing at impersonations on SNL. And she plays the best possible thing, a Republican talk show pundit. You bet. And it is terrific. Mm-hmm. It's every... <laughs> so watch it. Oh, the summary. Party. Yeah, that's... Uh, just watch a show. Just watch a show. <laughs> and on HBO Max. <laughs> We really need to seek some sponsorship. I know. Because you have been on 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 point. I have been. I think it's been like three or four weeks in a row. I know. And I and had a list. it was one of your favorite things of last year. Of shows to pick from this oh, week boy. that I haven't even talked about yet. And I realize they're all from HBO Max. Oh, so I'm going to so challenge gonna be- myself <laughs> that next week it will not come from HBO Max. Okay? But at what point should we contact HBO Max and be like, listen, you're missing out on a great opportunity here. I am the spokesperson you've now? been looking for. Yeah. All your content I'm yeah. in. Mm-hmm. I have been watching everything. <laughs> Equal opportunity across the board. In fact, make some more because I'm flying through it. Yeah. But I will. I'm going to challenge myself next week, my pop culture Why? Because I feel like, you know, I mean, I told you, go to the app. You're going to find lots of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It really feels like you're getting paid for this and you're not. I'm not. I'm really, truly not, which makes it sad almost. (laughs) (laughs) Now my instinct is to stop. So I think I will. (laughs) That's fair. I'm going to stop chasing HBO dollars. (laughs) We're going to be back next week. You may or may not be choosing something from HBO Max. We'll see. Yeah. But either way. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night. Another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.